this week on Dig Me Out. With your hosts, Jason Ziak and Tim Minichi. Jay, this week we're back with what is actually our final review of 2017 Season 7. Last week I said it was our final review, forgetting that we still had one more episode, review episode to do. Because uh, (laughs) when we originally scheduled the year, this episode was supposed to take place two weeks ago, and then we moved things around, and I had not changed my notes so when I read my notes, I was like, oh, we're doing the Living Color episode. It's our last episode of the year. And then after I you know, recorded it, started editing, I was like, wait a minute. This isn't our last episode. We've got one more. Wait a minute. I'm, I'm a liar. I'm in charge of, right, of my own voice, and I didn't listen to myself. <laughs> <laughs> nice work. Uh, so, Jay, this week, our last episode of 2017, you picked the album Tell People What You Picked. I picked the uh, Archangels by Archangels. Yes, the self-titled and only album by the band came out in 1992. And can you give a little bit of um, uh, context to who was in the Archangels and and why this is your pick? Yeah, I was a I was a pretty big Stevie Ray Vaughan fan in the in the late eighties. Um, mm-hmm. and this was, um, I guess the, uh, next best thing <laughs> at the time is a bit of a super group. So you've got the, right. the Stevie Ray Vaughan rhythm section of, uh, is it Tommy Shannon and, uh, Chris Layton? Yeah. And then you're, they're joined by two Austin based guitarists, Doyle Bram Hall and Charlie Sexton. um, to make uh, this sort of dual guitar, dual vocal, you know, powerhouse rhythm section, um, kind of a southern blues rock band. Um, so it got quite a bit of buzz when it came out. Um, and I bought it at the time as a fan of this type of music and just great guitar playing and thought it would be fun to revisit it and see how it held up. Yeah, this is um, an interesting record in that, uh, you know, it's a a blues record that came out in 1992 and it charted um, on Billboard at 127 and they had a number of uh, performances on Late Night with David Letterman in uh, June of 92 and then again in January of 93. I checked both those out in preparation for this. Um, A little bit more on the history. They ended up, you know, putting out the record. Uh, uh, Stevie Ray Vaughan had passed away in 1990 and, um, you know, the rhythm section, like you mentioned, got together with uh, Bram Hall and Sexton to make the record. And then they ended up breaking up in 93 and eventually got back together for some live performances in 2002. Um, and that turned into a DVD and live album called Living in a Dream that was released in 2009, uh, which was the entire album plus some new songs and some new studio tracks for a part of that. The band um, 
in 2014 uh, appeared to be done. Um, well, I should say in 2010, they wrapped up their tour and then there was nothing going on. But then uh, Doyle Bramhall in 2014, while performing, he referred to the Archangels as this band I was in. So people are uh, taking that as this band is done. I mean, they put out one record and um, they were done within a year. So I don't think we'll be seeing another Archangels record, which makes this an interesting one and done, which probably should be a roundtable topic of the future. Mm. Uh, one and done That's records one. of the 90s. The good, the bad, the yep. ugly, and uh, so forth and so on. We can uh, really dig into the new radicals. Yeah, there we go. So I want to mention, Jay, that during this episode, as we are in our uh, in the month of December, we are talking about uh, studio headphones, uh, the Trey earphones specifically. We're che- checking them out this month. Studio provided them to us. And you can go to um, studiosweden.com and use the Dig Me Out 15. That's Dig Me Out 15 promo code to get 15% off of your purchase we'll get into that more or or we'll get more in on that why i, I can't speak it's too much wine uh <laughs> we're gonna get all up into that we'll get all up in that no we'll we'll talk a little bit more about uh the studio headphones and what we're our thoughts on them after this will be our third week with the headphones so but before we do that i want to get to our patreon page and uh discuss what some folks had to say about this record like darren svedson he said great choice and looking forward to hearing your opinions on this one bought this back in the spring of 92 but haven't revisited it in the last 20 years until this weekend in my opinion a very solid album and my only criticism is that, that sometimes it veers into generic blues rock such as good time and paradise cafe or middle of the road adult contemporary like sent by and sent by angels I'm curious to know how much charlie sexton and doyle bramhall co-wrote collaborated on the songs i tended to prefer prefer the sexton led songs his 95 solo album under the wishing tree would be a great future selection for the podcast all right darren well you know you're gonna have a 12 month uh review at some point so just you know keep that in mind you might want to get to that charlie sexton album um i can actually answer the question that he said you know he'd like to know how many of the songs were co-wrote or you know collaborations only one uh the first song on the album is the only actual collaboration where they co-wrote the song together and that's the song uh living in a dream everything else was written either solo or with an outside songwriter so i guess charlie sexton uh worked with a songwriter named Tony O'Kay. And uh, so a number of these songs have a co-write with, uh, I think about half of them actually, with uh, Tony O'Kay, which is the ones that are led by Charlie Sexton primarily on vocal. So that's the answer to that question. Boom, done. Knocking them out. Knocking them out. So Jay, uh, since... Oh, well, I wanted to mention, you mentioned about Steve Ray Vaughan. I was also a Steve Ray Vaughan fan because of my dad. My dad had purchased the Steve Ray Vaughan Live at Austin City Limits DVD in like the early yep. 90s after he passed away. So that was in our house, and I watched that a ton. I was mesmerized by 
his playing on that yeah. performance. I don't I don't know how you can not watch him play guitar and just immediately be captivated. Yeah. It's one of the most it's one of the more incredible things that you can witness. So I'm I'm with you. That's so, a that's a great uh, performance. Yeah. So um since this is your pick, Jay, I'm gonna go first with one thing that I liked about this record and uh, one thing that I'll mention up top will be uh, Charlie Sexton. Um, I had never listened to anything that Charlie Sexton had done before. I, I, I had not heard this album. But I came away from this really liking his vocal. Um, it's got a bit of rasp to it. It's got a bit more um, grit behind it. And I feel like on the tunes where he takes the lead, uh, like the closing track, Too Many Ways to Fall... got a um just a drive to his record that i or to his uh vocal that i really like and it's not to say i don't like doyle bramhall's but his is actually like a little smoother and i think that's where uh the commentary about it there being some adult contemporary-ish sounds like with uh sent by angels um yep. uh which that song actually reminded me of like there's there's a vibe to some of these songs um, that reminded me of other songs. For some reason, that gave me the vibe of of um, Midnight Rider by the Allman Brothers. I don't know why. Uh, yeah, I can hear but that. It, it kind of, you know, and there there are some other ones, and we'll we'll get into it. But um, definitely, if I was you know leaning towards one singer or the other, it's it's Charlie Sexton's vocal, and it, it made me curious based on uh, Darren's comment to want to go check out that. 95 solo record because and then when i wa- i actually went and watched the letterman performances and his vocal live um he amps it up a little bit not that he like oversings or anything but he definitely brings it live he doesn't do as much guitar playing live as doyle bramhall and i i assume that bramhall is known as more of the flamboyant guitar player based on seeing them perform and seeing him twice shirtless not shirtless open shirted and uh you know wearing he having a a sparkly uh fender strat and you know just shredding yeah so i got the feeling yeah. that uh sexton is a bit more uh reserved he was also playing a rickenbacker on one of the on the first performance so yeah i think it was for living well, you, in a you dream sh- you should go check out his 85 album on uh on Geffen called oh, yeah? Pictures for Pleasure. Yeah, it's a totally different style. I mean, he's got like a new romantic style haircut on the front. and Oh, uh, okay. I mean, there's guitar there, but it's very 80s produced um, in a kind of a cool way. So if you're if you're into what he's doing, uh, definitely go back and, and kind of start there because he, uh, he covers a lot of ground in his career. Well, yeah, and the, and the, among, the people that he's played with I mean, he's in uh, Bob Dylan's band yep. right now. I mean, that's pretty amazing. 
Um, and he's played mm-hmm. with, you know, Clapton and uh, a, a number of huge artists. So, yeah, he's the guy I, I'm most interested in, like, checking out all the stuff that he's done and and uh, digging into his career. So, Jay, in revisiting this record, I don't know how many times you've mm-hmm. picked it up in the last 24 years, but uh, 25 yeah. years. Uh, what did you think revisiting this? What was one thing that stood out for you? Well, it's been a long time. I haven't listened to this record in... Boy, wow, uh, maybe 15, 20 years. Um, I listened to it a lot when it came out. Um, I really was taken by the rhythm section, honestly. I think there's a, um, if you just take the opening track, Living in a Dream, there is like such a great feel to that. And there's nothing, there's some really cool layers. And I think vocally, there's some cool stuff going on. And obviously, the guitar work is is really, you know, top-notch across the record. But there's just this feel to a lot of these songs that would, um, in other hands, with another rhythm section, would be completely unremarkable. But there's just a, I don't know, groove and a feel to these uh, these tunes, and that's a great example where just I'm just amazed um, by how simple some of it is but yet on the surface i guess seemingly simple but uh how nuanced and just i don't know organic it is um so i I was really you know and obviously that's a big part of of stevie ray vaughn i mean yes he's an incredible guitar player but he's got a rhythm section behind him and on this record that kind of lets you do almost anything um i mean they're so good that Boy, it's hard to screw it up. Um, so, I was I was really enjoying kind of revisiting that sound. I haven't listened to them play in a long time. Um, you know, living in Austin now, I mean, a, a lot of these sounds make a lot more sense even now, more so now than they did. You know, living in Ohio. So, I, I really dug that. I think the other thing that I enjoyed was the dual vocals. I thought they they do an interesting. Um, job of, of going back and forth and really sharing the lead um, and, and passing lines from one to the other, which I think works pretty well. I think their voices are s- not dramatically different, but they're different enough that it gives it some character, keeps right. it interesting, but not so different that, you know, um, I didn't feel like, well, sometimes when bands do that, you one of the singers you just don't like at all and you don't even want to hear them. <laughs> right, <laughs> like, yeah. Can we just stick to the one person but i think they're both you know capable you might you know in your case i, I you know I, i'm with you i think charlie sexton probably has a better just pure voice more character but um i i enjoyed the exchange i enjoyed the approach of having the two vo- vocals i i really liked when they also harmonized and you know like living in a dream is a good example when they hit that chorus uh yeah. you know that's that's exactly what I was hoping was going to happen with regards to, you know, if you're going to have two singers, you got to have, you know, not just singing. Ba- like I was worried when I first read about it, just before I even put the music on that, it was just going to be like one guy would sing one song and then another guy would sing another song. And it would be like that sort of thing, which, yeah, you know, other bands have done it. It, it sometimes it works often. It doesn't because like you said, the one guy has a much better voice and you have just, you know, one guy carrying the band essentially. And the fact that they trade off, you know, verses and even lines within verses and 
and then they can harmonize on choruses and it just adds a layer to this sound that you don't really hear that often and that's i think what makes this so unique stevie ray vaughn was carrying all that when he was playing and you mentioned the rhythm section um yeah the rhythm section is super tight and it's so easy to screw up this type of music um there's a reason why this rhythm section has played with buddy guy and kenny wayne shepherd and a whole bunch of other you know blues players it's because it's it actually is hard to find guys that know how to play this not necessarily correctly but have the right feel and that's not a it's not a thing about being correct or incorrect it's just about a feel that is so hard for so many people to play because a lot of people can just you know slam through a blues song and just you know ruin it with the wrong feel and um these guys had definitely you know in reading tommy shannon's background i think he started playing when he was like you know a teenager and you know played it with johnny winter at woodstock i mean just the dudes have been playing for a long time and you build up a reputation and you know yeah there's there's thousands of bar bands tonight playing material similar to a lot of the music on this record. Uh, and it's unlistenable. Yep. You know, uh, there's, it is, if you take a song like shape I'm in, I mean, very few bands could play that and make it for, at least for me, uh, something compelling. And I think even a song like that on here, I, I had a lot of fun with it, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, so I think that is as much about the rhythm section as anything. Jay, let's take a moment here to talk about the Studio Tray headphones that we were uh, provided by Studio Sweden. That's uh, studiosweden.com if you want to go check them out. And if you go to our show notes, you can click the link and utilize the Dig Me Out 15 code to get 15% off. It's week three with the headphones, Jay, and... Um, you know, I've completely switched over at this point. Uh, I was mentioning that uh, when I use headphones, I use them for two different reasons. One is for when we're actually making the podcast, whether it's recording the podcast and editing it. Um, I use the Studio Regent that we were given previously. But when I'm listening to music for the podcast, I'm almost entirely doing that either in um, at work while I'm working or in my car, I'm not going to use headphones while I'm driving because I don't think that that's safe uh, and nobody should. And uh, <laughs> so I use them at work and I've basically threw away my earbuds at this point. I actually gave them away. Yeah. I gave them to my cousin. Yeah. Because I, there's no way I can go back <laughs> at this point. 
Yeah. Like you mentioned about, I think last time, you could just put them in and there's like no fatigue whatsoever. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's, you know, a plus. Um, they're wireless, so I can go anywhere with them. And they have, I guess it's called sound transparency is the term, w- which lets you listen to music and then also be aware of like what's happening around you so you don't lose, you know, your place. Um, yeah. So, and I, I noticed that as well when I took them earlier to the grocery store that, uh, you know, there, there are people like working and they're like, good morning, you know, as they're stacking fruit yep. in, the, in the vegetable section and I could hear them perfectly fine. So, yeah, I can't be out. I can't be out in the world with headphones on and be completely like isolated. It just, no, it's weird. Like it gives me anxiety. Like I need to have some ambient noise to know what's going on. <laughs> and, and these definitely help for that. Hey, the, with the um, with the cord, how do you wear the cord? I wear it behind my neck. Oh, okay. How do you wear it? I I, uh, I try that, but I kind of have a big head, <laughs> as you know. So yes. I wear it. In, I wear it in front. So oh, okay. Uh, but it works fine either way. I was just curious. Well, what's nice is also is so I only work in my office for about three and a half hours a day. And then I, because of schedule with my kid, I have to leave and then I go work at home and then I go pick them up and it's whatever. So with the, there's like nine hours of battery life. So I charge these on Monday and then I can use them basically Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, and then I charge them again and then I'm good for Thursday and Friday. Wow. Yeah. Are you turning them off between the... Yeah. I just click the button and turn them off. Yeah, nice. if I if I leave them on, then I have to charge them uh, Tuesday or something or or Wednesday when I come in. But um, yeah, I can just pop them on and I just make sure to turn them off when I'm done when I put them back in my my work bag. So right. So yeah. So uh, let me give the details to everybody. You can go to studiosweden.com and use the dig me out fifteen. That's dig me out one five code to get fifteen percent off. Your purchase, uh, you can go to twitter.com slash back, uh, forward slash Studio Sweden, Facebook.com, same thing, Studio Sweden, and then Instagram, it's just Studio. And uh, I, I'm guessing by the time that this episode airs, you're, you're going to miss the Christmas window, but you might want to just like print out a picture of them and put them in somebody's stocking and say, hey, I, I just bought oh, yeah. these, but uh, they're going to be late. Or a Valentine's yeah. Day gift. There you go. There you go. Or a President's Day gift. They're, they make a they make a very nice gift. Uh, yeah, the packaging helps. And the uh, these are so practical. Like almost, I can't think of anybody that wouldn't want a pair of these. Like, yeah. great for phone calls. Great for like you said, wear you basically can wear them all day. Like if you're do a lot of you know walking around and moving around. You yep. kind of leave them in all day. You've got full battery life. You can hear what's going on, but you can listen to podcasts or music or whatever, um, and 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 have these in all the time. Just a wasting time I knew right then 
Nobody could get me down Cause I was checking myself Out on the town We're gonna have a good time So let's get back into the album, Jay. I want to get into maybe some things that didn't work or uh, we didn't care for on this record. I'm going to start with, I had a hard time. I mentioned earlier that Sent by Angels kind of had a Allman Brothers feel to it. And there is this weird run of songs at at, at that point where every single song reminded me of a different song. So stay with me here. So... Track three, Sent by Angels, kind of sounded like that. Like I said, the Allman Brothers. Sweet Nadine. It's, that sounded like Ramble On by Led Zeppelin to me for some reason. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Okay. I, yeah, okay. I hear it. So then the next song, Good Time or Fame by David Bowie. Did yeah, you... a little bit. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. See What Tomorrow Brings. That sounded like Hendrix to me especially yeah. that guitar tone that like vibratoed tone yep. i don't know but those four songs in a row and i was like what is going on here like did they just go uh we want to write a hendrix song we want to write a led zeppelin song or i just i was confused mm. by how all these songs were sounding like other songs now, not that they're not good songs, and they do take them in different directions, but yeah, it was just a little weird. I, just, I found it, I found that odd. Yeah, I, I guess I I hadn't heard that until now. You pointed it out, but now that you have, you've you kind of ruined the record for me. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> um, I didn't. This no, is one of those. I just like the back half of the record. I think more than the front half is all. Yeah. No, I can hear that. Um. Boy, I know this record so well, it's hard for me. Um, so when you say that, like, I just think of these as Archangel songs, but then when you call it out, I can, I can hear it. Revisiting it, what stood out to me is, yeah, there's some parts where I think vocally and just from a, more from a songwriting standpoint, it feels a little, some patron commenters mentioned, just a little generic. Yeah. Uh, please rock generic. Um, like I mentioned earlier, <clears throat> I think in some of those cases, the rhythm section really saves it. To, to and, and, and elevates it beyond just, you know, generic blues rock song. Um, yeah, definitely. I do agree that the second half, I think living in a dream is awesome. I think it does hit a stretch there um, between Paradise Cafe and maybe see what tomorrow brings. Although I love that song because it's about Stevie Ray Vaughan. But, but I do think the second half overall is stronger. I'm with you on that. I think Spanish Moon is is really good. Oh, yeah. Um,
I think Too Many Ways to Fall is really good. Mm-hmm. You know, I think the unlike a lot of records, I think that we review, even Famous Jane is is fun. Um, I think it works as a good pop song. That would be um, the best song that 1990s Train ever wrote if they wrote that song. But mm. they didn't. But that should yeah. have been a huge single for some band in the, in like the mid nineties. Yeah. There was a lot of music that sounded like that. Yeah. Totally kind of in that Jim Blossomy kind of mm-hmm. you know twangy rock alternate rock alternative rock place, yeah, for sure. Carry Me On is good. Shape of Men is fun, you know. I, I it's a little bit of a I, uh, boilerplate shuffle kind of blues rock song, but yeah. But I love any song that uses the piano like that. Yeah, I, I I'm the a ju- sucker for that. You know, like you said, that like up tempo shuffle. Yeah, the Jerry Lee Lewis style. Yep. Uh, did you think uh, too many ways to fall? There was um some moments in the uh, in the chorus of that tune. It, it started to get to more of a Pearl Jamie kind of place. I mean, it felt more. I think alt Rocky than the rest of the record did to me. Which song? Too many, too many ways to fall. I, I, that's one of my favorite tunes on the album just because of Charlie Sexton's vocal. I don't know if it's, I mean, I, I guess I get what you're saying. I mean, it's, it's not bluesy. Yeah. I mean, it's other than what, uh, I, I if, you know, if you took Doyle Bramhall's riffing, out of it, it would be just a straight up alternative rock song, probably. Yeah, I'd be curious to hear the band if it, they would have done more material like that, you know? Yeah. Which I, I don't know. I guess that means Charlie Sexton writing more, right? Instead of doing the either Bram Hall or having the co writers, maybe if he would have wrote more of the album, but, you know, they would have worked more as a, you know, showcasing his songwriting. It, it would have been interesting to hear what that record sounded like. I think we both probably would have liked it even more. Yeah, it it sounded like there was some friction uh, almost from the beginning <laughs> with this band, yeah. and that Bram Hall had well, some issues, personal issues with some problems, some substances. Let's put it that way. Which yeah, is why the band didn't last very long. And you can imagine with a um, anytime you get a super group, you're going to have issues with with the finances, right? I mean, because everybody's going to want to going to want a cut of it and everybody's going to have ego and want more than the other person. And it's just, that's why a lot of super groups are one and done. It just doesn't make sense from a, from a financial standpoint. I'm sure this was probably no different. I mean, Charlie second, these, all, all these guys had careers before this. So and careers after it. So, well, yeah. Cause what Bram Hall played with the fabulous Thunderbirds before this and mm-hmm. which was Stevie Ray Braun's brother, obviously. And then he ended up putting out his first solo record after this. So, I mean, he was kind of yeah. He was he was uh, well known in the definitely in the blues and you know rock world as far as uh, being an up and comer. Yeah, I think he was kind of like a yeah like a child prodigy kind of. Well, his dad know, was a famous next... musician and yeah producer and stuff. So, um, so this comes out in '92. I mean, they got they made the Billboard chart. They got on the TV. You know, Letterman had them back. Like he, he, I really liked this band from what I saw in the first performance, and then they had them back. Like, you know, eight or ten months later. 
So on the on one record, which is pretty interesting. I mean, I don't know how many bands have gone back to do TV at the same show on the same record. Usually, you get you know you go you put your sing, play your single. Yeah, and, you know, yeah, one. one one and done usually, unless you're like. Yeah, I got some major hits in the records. You know, you're out promoting it for a year or something. Right. So he must have taken a shine. Yeah, yeah Bram Hall was 20 years old when he made this record. When he was 18, he toured with uh, the Fabulous Thunderbirds, and then he formed this band yep. when he was 20. Yeah. So it's a weird time period for this to come out. This is not far after, you know, this comes out in 92. You know, we all know what's going on in, uh, you know, this is April 92. So this is uh, not far after the explosion of Nirvana and whatnot. So this is going to appeal to the people who are into this music. But the crossover ability of this record probably diminished greatly, uh, to, you know, with regards to getting on you know, rock radio and whatnot with that's shifting pretty quickly because this isn't well, Alice yeah, in Chains well, or Soundgarden or anything like that. Yeah, I mean, keep in mind, this record comes out two years after Stevie Ray Vaughan dies, and he dies at his peak of his stardom. Like, yep. He was as big as he ever was. He had his biggest record, was pretty much on the top of the world. So he dies two years later that this band is putting a record out. I think there was, if I'm remembering back to the time and just trying to characterize it, I think there was some sense that they could pick up the mantle and that he basically had created this blues rock, you know, format. I mean, he single-handedly, along with maybe the Fabulous Thunderbirds a little bit, and you saw bands like the Black Crows kind of playing in that space. Yep. And, you know, I think there was very much a sentiment that they were going to step in. You know, they were all young, uh, or at least the two guitar players were, were still pretty young, and, you know, they would just continue forward with what he had started. And I think reality is, is that, you know, he's a one in a once in a lifetime talent. So you're not just gonna, you know, forge ahead, um, and, and sort of insert a new band in his place. So I definitely think there was, there was a ton of momentum and effort put, put around this. Um, it just sounds like maybe the band couldn't keep it together. And then the and the songwriting's problematic too, right? I mean, I think for this music to work, these guys need to be writing the songs and sort of putting egos aside when it comes to making the records in terms of the material that's on. Yeah. So overall, were the album better EP, decent single? Where do you fall? I'm in a worthy album. I think the talent alone on this record is makes it worthy. Um, I think you know some of the material is not top notch but i think they make the most of it i think they take some at times fairly simple uh ideas and songs and elevate them to a pretty special place so uh i think it's a worthy album i agree with you i'm at probably like eight or nine songs that i, I would you know, yeah. make up a record of so uh, you know this is a long record for uh, you think so it's only twelve songs. Yeah, but they're, they're all yeah, over four minutes. They're almost, yeah, there's some six minute six minute songs on here too. Yeah. So Yeah, I can see that. I think I mean, you know, it's it, it's not it's it's not a knock, 
you know, these are blues songs. There's always going to be a solo, <laughs> pretty much. Right. So, right. you know, it's a 60 minute album. It's an hour long album. And if I think if you cut it down, if you made this a nine song album in or an eight song album, cut it down to like 40 minutes. I think that'd be a really, really strong 40 minutes. But there's probably there's probably three or four songs you could lose. Pretty, pretty you know, it's, what's funny about this record is um, so I owned it on CD when it came out. When you look at the artwork online now, it looks terrible. Like you don't appreciate like the the packaging for this was actually really cool. But something with the reproduction of how their the artwork came across, it's like this awful neon green and red. Yeah. Which the the printing itself is it's more like textured and metallic. It just looks totally different. It's just huh. it's kind of unfortunate when you go back and look look at it, not only, you know, are you just seeing an image of it, but it it's one of those record cover, covers for whatever reason just does not replicate very well as a, as an image on a screen, and it just kind of looks terrible. Also, I'm a little the spacing of the font of the words, like if you read that, I'm like, what does that say, Archangels? Like, what is the? <laughs> well. What's funny is that the yeah the name of the band's Archangels the name of the record is the Archangels and then the live album that came out I'm trying to find it it's capital A capital R capital C Angels <laughs> so the same term they're using three different ways for the two records that they put out Gah. which makes no sense I don't know what's going on there but focus people. Find, find one and stick to it. All right. Well, that's two worthy albums for myself and Jay. If you like what you heard on this episode, please consider leaving us some positive feedback over at iTunes. And of course, you can join us at Patreon. We're going to be giving away some cool stuff. And you've got until December 31st, midnight Eastern time to sign up for a buck a month. Patreon did not change their uh, fee structure. Was announced today, or now we told them to last. Told them to stand down. Yeah, and they listened. So don't worry, everybody's just it's staying the same. But if you want to win the Sleater Kinney white vinyl, dig me out, and the anthology of emo by Tom Mullen, you got to be a, a Patreon patron by the end of the year. You go to patreon.com. Oh, yeah? Well, yeah. you're eligible. No, you're not. I was going to say. Damn it. Sorry, Jay. No employees. Patreon.com forward slash dig me out. That's where you go. For Jay, I'm Tim. We're out. And we'll be back next week with the final episode of 2017 of Dig Me Out. Thanks for listening. To support the podcast, visit www patreon.com forward slash dig me out and become a monthly subscriber or request a review at www.digmeoutpodcast.com where you can find links to our Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram pages, as well as our merchandise store at zazzle.com. <laughs>